Today's episode of Second and 26 is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think SEC tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. Make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Welcome back in to Second and 26, your dedicated Alabama podcast here on The Athletic. I'm your host, as always, Aaron Suttles. Fresh off a bye week. Reminder, you can always catch me on WJOX 94.5 here in Birmingham, Monday through Friday from 10 to 2. Hope you are enjoying that. As I mentioned, fresh off a of bye week. Hope you uh, got a weekend in of you know honey do list. Uh, maybe a little quick vacation. Uh, maybe you just sat back and watched all the other college football action from the weekend. But uh, no more time for that. As Alabama heads on the road for its first, what we said before the season would be major test uh, on the road. Now Alabama went to South Carolina. Uh, but they, for the most part, easily dispatched of the Gamecocks. There were some, uh, there were some hiccups. That's the you know the game where we we recognized maybe Alabama's inefficiency, a little deficiency in stopping the run, which has now been what you've consumed yourself with over the bye week after Old Miss uh, lit up Alabama as well. But take heart, Old Miss just lit up Vanderbilt for like four hundred something yards on the ground and. Um, you know, I know you're not going to take heart in that though, because it's Vanderbilt and that's Alabama and Alabama shouldn't, shouldn't be allowing Ole Miss to do that. But, uh, but I digress. Alabama heads on the road to college station, Texas uh, for a game that we circled before the season was one, what was one of only three games. I thought Alabama could even potentially lose if, you know, if Alabama played its worst game and, a team played really, really well and got on a roll. This was one of the ones, uh, the w- one of three, actually, that I circled and said, okay, this could be a game to watch. Um, since that time, Texas A&M just has not looked the part. When you uh, examine the Aggies, um, it looks even worse right now. They are also coming off of a bye week. But the last time we saw Arkansas – Quite frankly, they were lucky to get out of Jerry World with a win over a really bad Arkansas team. An Arkansas team who hadn't won an SEC game in what feels like forever. Texas A&M barely got out of that game, should have been beaten in that game. So um, that's kind of where we head into this with. And we get a little news today from Nick Saban that Chris Owens, the starting center on Alabama's offensive line, is banged up, and uh, he's probably not going to play in this game. Nick Saban is calling him questionable, but uh, it it looks like 
that Chris Owens, the the guy who started all five games at center so far, is uh, going to be on the shelf. Um, why is that significant, you ask? Well, uh, you're going on the road into a stadium that holds over 100,000 people. When Alabama comes to town, those people tend to get a little rowdy, no matter what visiting stadium you're going into. So communication could be key. Uh, you definitely want to be on the same page if you're a center and quarterback, and uh, I'm sure that will be worked on throughout this week, but there's only so much you can replicate noise um, as opposed to the real thing when you get into, uh, in, into Kyle Field on Saturday afternoon. So Nick Saban tells us that, and then we don't really get any follow-ups questions from reporters at at his press conference today. So we are left to go off of previous statements that Nick Saban has said, and then we'll try to glean some information during um, practice viewing periods this week to figure out, okay, if Chris Owens is not the guy, it looks like he's going to be sidelined for this game, who indeed is the guy. And I think there are a couple of candidates. You know, Nick Saban has been asked this a lot this season about Landon Dickerson. Landon Dickerson, obviously a graduate transfer player coming from Florida State, has come in and, and played well, and he's been starting at right guard. But he uh, he has worked a little at center. And i had been told during fall camp that, hey, you know, watch out, Landon Dickerson might be uh, a candidate at center. And it hasn't played out that way. But Nick Saban has been asked about Landon Dickerson at center um, because we've seen him at practice. We've seen him in the game there. And, and judging by Nick Saban's previous comments, we're left to the conclusion that Landon Dickerson's like an emergency center. He, Nick Saban said that Landon Dickerson's the third string center. Okay, well, Chris Owens is one. If Landon Dickerson's three, who's two? Well, Emil Ikior is number two. So I... As this week goes along, we'll find out what do you do? Do you because if you do one move here, well, let's break this down. If Emil Ikior is indeed the backup center, it probably works out best, right? Because you only have to make one move on your offensive line. Uh, Emil Ikior is not a starter. He's uh, he's played some this season. They they like his potential. Um, but if he's the guy, then you put him at center, you leave Landon Dickerson at right guard. However, if Landon Dickerson is your guy at center, well, then now you have a right guard spot open. So that uh, Chris Owens being out of a game, basically, in that scenario, is a, is a move that requires two moves rather than just one. So we'll uh, we'll keep close tabs on that. And, of course, all of this is to ignore the fact that Deontay Brown's back. We saw him against Ole Miss. He didn't play a ton, but he did play some snaps, and they're going to work on his conditioning. And he now enters the conversation. So if Landon Dickerson moves to center, maybe Deontay Brown is your right guard. And think about that for a second. Think about how beefy the middle of Alabama's offensive line would be if you've got Deontay Brown, they list him at 335, but he's probably closer to 350. You got Landon Dickerson in the middle, and then you got big old Evan Neal at left guard. That's a wall. I mean, we would have to give the interior of Alabama's uh, offensive line a, a, a nickname truly worthy of those gentlemen's sizes if that, were, if that played out. 
we'll keep an eye on that. But that's that's where it is right now, and it's uh, not ideal coming off a bye week that you're you're dealing with an injury. Um, but at least on this time, it's on the offensive side of the ball, and not to linebacker or defensive line where Alabama just seems to have um, made someone angry because those injuries. Um, you know, happened fast and furious over the last few years that, uh, you know, it's either always a linebacker or a defensive lineman. So this time it's on the offensive line. We'll, we'll keep tabs on how that's going. Uh, a little breaking news today, if you haven't already heard, which you probably have, but if you haven't, the SEC released its game time for the Tennessee game. And what's that? You're getting a home night game. That's right. You're getting a home night game after games and games and games of dealing with 90-plus degree brutality heat. You're getting a night game. The only catch is it's really, really, really a night game. It's an 11 – I'm rather, excuse me. It's an 8 p.m. Central Standard Time kick. 8 o'clock. <laughs> so uh, – for those of you listening on the East Coast and the Eastern Time Zone, my condolences because you're not going to bed until well after midnight because that game will not be over for a while. Uh, but Alabama, Tennessee, the third Saturday in October will be an 8 p.m. Central Time kick, and Alabama fans get its night game. And so the, hopefully the weather will be pretty nice too. It, uh, it looks like it's flipped here in the state. It's in the 70s, so which is always nice. And another good plus from this game is you're going to get uh, you're going to look at those newly installed LED lights. Now, you probably saw a lot of what it's going to look like when Georgia played Notre Dame a few weeks ago. That's that's going to be some of the stuff that Alabama can do with this. Uh, they're going to play around with it. But uh, if you're going to be in Bryant Denny Stadium, not this Saturday, but next Saturday night, you're going to get to see the the debut, the home debut of those new LED lights and see what. Uh, what sort of things they they can do with them? Now, the baseball team has had these at Sewell Thomas Stadium for a few years now, and it um, it really is pretty cool. I mean, um, the fact that you know you don't have to you can turn the lights off and flip them back on, and they come on automatically. Usually, with those lights, it takes a while to to heat those things up and get them shining. The old school lights, but these are new, and there'll be light shows that they can do with them that they can choreograph and coordinate with the music. So. If you're a, if you're a fan of in-game atmosphere, this will certainly help, and uh, as will the fact that it's not in the middle of the day, and the fact that it's not 100 degrees outside. So um, you got your night game, but uh, it's almost like the SEC said, "Okay, yeah, you've been wanting a night game. We'll give you a night game. How about eight o'clock? That's just uh, that's a late start, especially for those who uh, who drive in and out the day of the game. So if you're coming from Mobile." I imagine you would make a day of it, but if you're not staying the night, you've got a nice haul, and you won't be back till the early morning hours. Be the Seahawks' 12th man wherever you go. The Athletics' Michael Sean Duger and Christopher Kidd comprise our Seattle Seahawks podcast, Seahawks Man to Man. Michael, Sean, and Christopher applauded Seattle's narrow NFC West victory versus the Rams and Russell Wilson's dominance during their Emergency Friday podcast. Make sure you man or woman up and follow the Seahawks Man to Man podcast by visiting the podcast show page for updates when new episodes release. Looking back at this, refocusing on Texas A&M, is what can Alabama get out of this game? Um, because obviously you can't take A&M for granted. They're, they've got enough SEC-level talent that if Alabama screwed around, didn't come out focused, 
and didn't play well and turned the football over a lot and with the way the defense has been playing, uh, Alabama could could lose this game. But but other than that, because let's face it, Texas A&M is not the team we thought they were going to be. They're somehow hanging around the top 25, by the way. They've lost to Clemson and they lost to Auburn, which aren't, which aren't horrible losses when you look at them on the surface because Clemson's a really good team. Auburn's a really good team. Um, but if you look, examine those games closer, like A&M was lifeless on offense. I mean, just didn't provide a whole lot of offense in, in those games. So it's just not the team we thought they were going to be. And then, of course, the last time we saw the Aggies, they're in a, um, they're in a death match with Arkansas. And Arkansas is just not a good football program right now. And so what, but when I look at this, I start breaking it down and I'll, I'll have an article up on the athletic tomorrow morning about this very topic. So you're getting a little bit of a preview here and you can put it together with the article tomorrow. But when I say, what can Alabama get out of this, this game, obviously I'm talking about bigger picture stuff. Um, Areas that this team has struggled with this year or want to improve on this year that we can maybe measure what sort of progress was made in the bye week, what sort of progress has been made after six weeks. These are areas in which I'm, I'm going to be examining and, and looking at this game when we're watching it on Saturday. And first of all, it's, I think it's the offensive line for Alabama. It's now particularly more pertinent because of Chris Owens injury. Um, now that Deontay Brown is back, both of those things have made this a storyline for this week, I think. Because Alabama, while they're scoring a bunch of points a game, they've been in, incredibly efficient on offense. They still, you know, offensive line-wise, have not been able to run the ball as well as they like, although I, like, I think the last two games they've run the ball better, and I credit the offensive line for that, and I credit the running backs for that. So... Um, do they do they continue that progress this week for a third straight week of or third straight game rather of okay we're making progress and and then now Deontay Brown is back you're starting to get to a point where you'd like to settle on your five I mean we knew from the beginning of the season that Deontay Brown was out for four games we knew that this offensive line would not really come together until after the point which Deontay Brown came back well now he's back but guess what the center's out so you just wonder. If, if, let's say, either Emil Ikior or Landon Dickerson play really well in this game and, you know, and Deontay Brown plays and you start to get a little confidence, do you feel better about where this, um, where this offensive line is going, what it's capable of? So that'll be the first thing that I watch on Saturday. The second would be limiting a mobile quarterback. Um, Alabama has struggled with that. We saw it against John Reese Pumley. Um, Ole Miss, he absolutely torched Alabama um, from a quarterback position in, t- in terms of what we thought of his ability. Now, he did the same thing to Vanderbilt. I think that young man's going to have a career because he's a, he's a speedy fella. That guy can move. And unless you've watched him in person, I don't think you have a true, through, true real appreciation for what he did. But if you'll remember last year, Kellen Mond – had a really good game rushing. I, th- I want to say he had a, four, a 40, 50-yard run against Alabama last year on a quarterback draw. So this is a good measuring stick in that metric. You know, a mobile quarterback, can Alabama's defense get uh, get a handle on him? Because the last time we saw this defense, John Reese Plumley was not able to be contained. He got, got the edge, 
and he made life very difficult for that Alabama defense. So this is a good opportunity for us to see if they've corrected some of those mistakes, if they're going to um, you know, take containment as a serious issue this week um, and, and see where they are. And then another kind of built off of that is Alabama's rush defense. It wasn't just John Reese Plumley that had a good game against Alabama. We've seen both of the uh, SEC foes that Alabama played put up big numbers, and Old Miss put up nearly 300 yards rushing against Alabama. It was a shocking total. It's shocking reading to, reading that number now, a couple of weeks later. And this will be particularly interesting because A&M's played three Power 5 opponents, and, and they ain't run the ball real well against those three Power 5 opponents. And so if they run the ball well against Alabama – we got issues. I'm going to read you the three rushing numbers that, that, that Texas A&M put up against Power 5 opponents this year. And then if you, we're, going to, we're going to come back next week and we're going to compare Alabama's number to that. Against number two Clemson, now this was a game on the road. We'll, we'll factor that in. We'll put that into context. Uh, Texas A&M ran for 53 yards. Not a great t- – you're not going to want a lot of football games rushing for 53 yards. So, okay – it's the number two team in the country. They got the longest win streak in the country. They, they're playing really good football. They're defending national champions. You're, you're in their house. You can understand that. Okay. Well, the next Power 5 program that Texas A&M plays is, is a couple weeks later, and they play Auburn. Now, Auburn's a, got a, um, Auburn's a good football team. And, but, but this game's in Kyle Field. It's at Texas A&M. You should... You should be able to run the ball a little bit. Now, I'll also throw out there, Auburn's got a really good defensive front. Auburn's got a great defensive front. Maybe a little hard to run the ball, but you're at home. You should find a way to run for the ball. Run effectively a little bit. Run, it, run the ball efficiently. Didn't happen. They ran for 56 yards. They improved by three yards over the Clemson total. Maybe those three yards came from being at home. Okay, no problem. You played, Those are two elite defensive fronts. We'll, we'll, we'll give them another one just to see what they did. So they, they, they get to play Arkansas on a neutral site. They're in Jerry's world. Uh, Arkansas is not a good football program. They should be able to run the football. They got 89 yards against Arkansas. So Texas A&M is having trouble running the football. And so if they are able to do that against Alabama, then we've got, uh, we've got some issues with this run defense. We know we've got, run, we, we know we've got issues now, but those are only going to get hyped up and, and amped up if, if A&M – who hasn't rushed for more than 89 yards in, against any of the Power 5 programs that's played this year, if it, if it just gouges Alabama on the ground, folks, we got issues. So remember that as you're watching the game this week, that against good defenses or even average defenses or any Power 5 defense, Texas A&M hadn't been able to run the ball. I imagine it's been a, a focal point for the Alabama defense after giving up nearly 300 yards against Ole Miss. So that's the number to watch. I mean, just just watch. This Alabama defense has struggled against the two SEC teams that's played against the run. And Arkansas has struggled against Power 5 programs to run the football. So which one gives? Does A&M run the ball in Alabama, or does Alabama finally man up and stop an SEC team from running the football down their throat? And an, another issue that I'll be watching is game control. And that kind of takes these those first two points into – into account because Nick Saban following the old miss game is not complaining about his offense, but he wants more game control. What does that look like in this Alabama offense? I honestly don't know if you're scoring that quickly. 
and you continue to put your defense back out on the field, I don't know what game control looks like for Nick Saban in this offense. I imagine it's being able to, to take the air out of the football. That's kind of how I measure it. When you get late in the third, in the fourth, and you've got a comfortable lead, and you it does, it's not required that you throw the football all around the field, running just running the ball down their throat, taking minutes off the clock. And then when your defense is out there, the defense gets off the field, three and out. So three and outs and being able to run the football when you need to. I think that's what game control is for this for this Alabama offense and, and, and this Alabama team is three and out on defense. And when, when you get the ball back in your offense's hands and you're up comfortable and the game's late in the second half and you don't need your starting quarterback to go down in three plays, four plays, five plays and score, hey, let's run it. Let's let the big the big guys up front, that wall that I just called them, and we're going to come up with a catchy nickname for those guys. Let's let that wall lean on that defensive line and take the air out of the ball. I think that's what uh, what Nick Saban wants, and uh, so I'll be watching that. So to recap, what can Alabama get out of this game? Areas that I'm watching to see how much improvement's been made is offensive line, limiting a mobile quarterback, Limiting a team's ability to run the football on you, and then game control. So we'll uh, we'll come back next week and see how Alabama did in all that. Uh, we'll be coming back at you on Friday with a new podcast. Uh, obviously, as we get closer to this Alabama Texas A and M matchup, there'll be a um, there'll be a mailbag this week. So remember, get those questions in because the mailbag, the questions that don't make the mailbag, will probably make. Uh, Friday's podcast. So when that prompt goes up this week, make sure you send in some uh, some questions. I really appreciate all the creative questions I get and the great football X and O stuff um, from you guys. Are very thoughtful questions. Uh, but until Friday, I'm Aaron Summers. Catch me again on Second and Twenty Six.